Hey Lux, happy 300th episode. Hey, happy 300th episode, Griffin. We finally made it. Congratulations <laughs> to us. Is is that the one? Is that the right number? No, it's not. Mm. Damn. Uh, it's a happy 200th episode, and that was about two months ago. <laughs> yeah, well, because I thought we, we missed the 200th by many episodes. Um, so I thought, why not get ahead of it? Yeah, no, that makes sense. So, like, in advance, happy 300 to us. Mm-hmm, because now I can't, uh, now, I, I'm, this is a gift to future us. Yeah, well, because, like, we're kind of, on, we're basically the Spartans now. Mm-hmm, and, you know, a few other gifts to future us. Griffin, don't trust Lux, okay? There's, there's some things that you should know that are going to happen. Future, future Lux. Griffin's going to get a little anti-Semitic around episode 300. (laughs) (laughs) And that's and and not until that episode, but I'm doing it now to get ahead of it. Yeah. No, I understand. That gives you time to warm up to it and like get used to it. Yeah. All all of a sudden, I'm going to be like, you know, Attack on Titan was actually about something else entirely. And I love it. (laughs) And I love that about it. Yeah, we love it. We absolutely do love it. In almost episode 300 by the time that show fucking ends. That's true. Yeah. Wow. Um, well, what is what is this moment? Not this episode, but what is this moment about Lux? That's the question I have for you this, this week. moment in time. This moment in time. Well, hmm. I guess the best way to put it is uh, everything is even stupider than usual. But there's a couple of meaningful bright spots. OK, so there's meaning. This is a meaningful episode. Sure, why not? I thought we were talking about the moment, not the episode. But sure, this episode can be meaningful too. <laughs> What's going on? What, uh, why is it? Why is this week dumber? Um, I think that between the the continued slap discourse. Yes, I I, I, w- I was struck by an audience member at the stage of my comedy show. Yeah. Yes. So between that, um, the sort of increasingly bonkers. Ukraine discussion and the sort of brain worms that come out every time anything good happens, i.e. the continued delaying of student debt payment uh, resumption or the Amazon union. Everyone has come out of the woodwork to be like, these good things are bad, actually, as they often do. Um, So everyone's really in peak sort of weirdo mode right now. Let's start with Ukraine Um, (laughs) and let's fix it. Uh, So look, we we found out that E3 2022 was canceled and it was because they were giving Zelensky a full stage expo spot. He was going to walk on with uh Doctor Strange and um the guy Morbius. from the original Spider-Man's Toby Maguire. Yeah, Doctor Strange, Toby Maguire and uh Morbius. And Morbius. Mhm. Yeah, and they were going to call for a no-fly zone, but now that's off the table. Yeah, which honestly is probably good, because no, no-fly no zones are bad ideas in general. Mm-hmm. The only person that should be flying in the sky is Morbius. Yeah, which he does do at some point in the movie uh, without really any explanation for why he's allowed to. <laughs> <laughs> does he turn into a bat? No, it just there's one part of the movie where he like feels some wind, and he like stares at his hand for a little bit, and then he starts flying. <laughs> <laughs> that movie's at, like... Uh, at like oh, someone's screaming outside. Oh, oh we got a Morbius. We got a Morbius fan. Oh, we got a Morbhead. Uh, this is listen. People people hate on this movie, but the streets ring out. Yeah, for Morbius. Yeah, you mentioned Morbius. You're gonna get a Morbhead popping up out of nowhere to let you know. Thirteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It starts to. It's sort of the movie scale ratings for me are like you don't want to be really at the fifty mark, but it's like that's like the equator. But the closer you are to the North or South Pole, that's party time. Yeah, and I think that's right. It's definitely true with Morbius to a degree where like I think Morbius is like well positioned to be to fly a sort of well to fly and also to sort of be a classic of the like. Hey, who wants to get together at my house and throw a shitty movie on the TV and like smoke weed and have some beers and like make some jokes? Like it's mm-hmm. it's like in that it's like it's going to become a classic of that genre, I think, because it's like really it has everything you want from like a a dumb stupid movie where like 
It's not boring. Shit is constantly happening. It's just the shit doesn't really make any sense. The performances are very weird. The, the plot is also very weird. Um, there's a part where they're doing like experiments on a boat and they have like hired mercenary security. And one of the mercenaries just goes into the lab and starts hassling them in this way. That's like, what are you doing? Like you're secure, a security guard. Like, why are you yelling at the scientists? And it's just like to set up like a conflict and like a fight scene later. Hell yeah. And it's just like, what are we doing here? Morbius. It's very fun. Listen, a a complicated plot yelling at scientists and unexplained abilities. It sounds like you're talking about our, current reality art is truly imitating life with this film and you know i haven't seen this film lux but i think my big other takeaway is you know with so much film these days it it takes it's the films so often are are, take something from you whether it's your three hours of your time or a lot of your mental energy that then needs to be debated online um, or fought on whether the movie's good or bad. But, you know, Morbius is, is just something pure. It's giving. You're receiving Morbius. Morbius asks nothing of you. And I think that is an experience people crave. Yeah. Morbius, if you can just accept that uh if you make a medicine out of human and vampire or human and bat DNA, it turns you into a vampire. Like you can get, if you as the audience suspend disbelief for that one single claim, the movie after that, like doesn't really ask you to do much except for just sort of sit back and like deal with the consequences of that fact. (laughs) Yes. And folks sit back and deal with the consequences of the game boys podcast. Welcome folks. Uh, we're back and it's me Griffin and I'm joined by me Lux and we're joined as always on the ones and twos by super producer and the ultimate Morbius fan producer Haley the female Morbius yeah what if yeah well I'll tell you they tease a potential female Morbius at the end of the movie Morbius (laughs) good 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 excellent um so yeah what's up we're back and we're doing you know I'm patting myself on the back because we're recording this at an incredible time it's midweek we're not doing this late on like a Friday night we're not burning any midnight oil this episode may actually be released this week Uh, incredible (laughs) well yeah you'll notice that there's already an episode this week that was because there was an upload error that I was not informed of until way late, which I then which we fixed. But this one should come out on time because uh, we're recording at closer to our normal time. If you think that I'm listening to these episodes before they go live, you're dead wrong. And you know what? It's it's a miracle that we caught that at all. Yeah, but it is true. part of our new brand of not of getting worse every week. I got confused, actually, because I messaged Rowdy to be like, hey, was that upload error just an issue on my end or and like did it post? But like, I'm just not seeing it or not. And then he told me it did post. And I was like, oh, OK, so I actually didn't need to do the reupload. But then he messaged me back and said, oh, wait, Sabotage. no, never mind. I was wrong. So uh, even even our quality control people on the ground are kind of blowing it right now, which is great because that's our new brand. To me, it sounds like Roddy doesn't actually listen to the show, and I congratulate him. That's good. Um, okay, what? I got a list. I got a list of things to talk about with you, Lux. All right, let's do it. Let's run through it. Do you have a list? I don't have a list. I have a few. <laughs> I have a few things that have happened to me. Okay. All right. Well, then. Cool. 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 We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, where should we start? Hmm. Hmm. You see the Unreal Engine thing? No. What happened? Uh, Epic released Unreal Engine Cinco. Um, it looks good. It looks really cool. The graphics look wet. Everything looks sharp. Um, smooth, the craziest smooth, smooth movements. Yeah. And this was the one, this was like a big aha mo- moment for me watching this presentation, but they're like, yeah, like this is also going to be used on like all your television shows now and stuff like that. Like you can literally like construct CGI for movies and have it look pretty comparable. Um, so it's like this kind of big, like hot merging of the industries that's been right. happening right now. And like in general, I feel like in this evil town of LA, I'm feeling like the gamers, like the gamer world just completely like synergize with, 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 with the flesh market of this uh, tinsel town. Yeah. It's a very interesting time. 
Well, I was reading actually kind of about that. Um, I didn't realize it was the Unreal 5 release, but that makes sense in, in context of what I was reading about how, like, they're starting to use technology on movie sets sort of 3D scan items, like just objects, to create, like, reserves of objects that exist that they can just drop into digital landscapes. They're like non-digital yeah. objects, but they can put them into digital landscapes. And then the, and that new engines were allowing them to sort of instantly kind of get integrated and play with light and shadow in digital sort of landscape areas. Um, and it makes sense. That's that the part the, that really fucking was crazy. They show this part where this lady just takes her like phone and like moves it all, like 3D around like a real sofa. And then that sofa just appears in the game. Yeah, that's, what, was I was like, that's what I was reading about. And realize it was on your Legend 5, but that shit's very crazy. It was it was crazy because it was like, oh, wow, like the accessibility. And it wasn't just with that. It was like with terrains and stuff, too. It was like, here's like the folder with every type of mountain. Like, here's the folder with every type of sand um, and like the ability to, to create like really giant worlds almost in like a Mario Maker sense, like is like quickly approaching. The flip side of that, though, is that a lot of shit will look the same and there will be like sort of like a like a homogeneity to all of it um so it's interesting yeah i mean that is always my my greatest uh anxiety about this new tech is like it seems really cool and like this is what happens right like this is the problem and and this isn't like the tech's fault but it's like culture and the world's fault is that like these technologies emerge and they can do all these incredible new things and like, you know, uh, open up the doors to so much new, incredible sort of development and artistic design and all that. And then what almost always happens is they get used in like the cheapest, most replicable way and everything looks the same and really boring. Hell yeah. And, and that's that's beautiful. We love that. Um, so, yeah, that's Unreal Engine 5. Uh, There's another big kind of business thing or a few business things that have been happening this week. Um, Sony revealed Game Pass. Um, yes. Its own its own Game Pass, essentially, to compete with the Xbox Game Pass that has been all the rage. Um, and I kind of have mixed feelings about it. Did you see this, Lugs? I did. I'm a. I'm I'm into it. <laughs> so let me break down the tiers. As opposed to Game Pass, I think there's like there's multiple tiers with this PlayStation One. Uh, the first one is just literally what already exists, where you have to like pay to use the internet on your console, which has mm -hmm. just been something that's happened since the beginning of time. Um, and you'll get like, you'll get like one to two monthly, like PS plus games or whatever. The second tier is like a much more expanded catalog of like PS4 and PS5 titles. Um, but with nothing like new, brand new. So like, for instance, God of War 2 will not be like a day one on Game Pass release. Um, and a lot of their other first party stuff will also not come out to their Game Pass like anywhere near day one in the way that like Microsoft and Xbox yeah. have been doing it, where it's like literally like Halo Infinite, pretty much the only thing that would have like sold copies for them right now. They made it they made it on Game Pass free. Like it's all Game Pass, $10. Baby. Um, and that was interesting because it was like it wasn't a great game. So it was this weird thing where it might have been the right call for them. But yeah, it's it's so that's that tier. Um, and then the final tier is this like $18 a month tier that allows you to play older PlayStation games, like some PS2 stuff and some stuff that's even older. Now, like in theory, like that sort of like accessibility to older games would be super cool. The problem is, is that if you like already own the discs to all of these games, PlayStation has not made it to where you can play those discs on your console. Um, right. This that to is, me is the most like nefarious element of this is right. that like if you're you want, double paying for shit, if you want to have old games, you have to do it on PlayStation's terms exclusively. And mm -hmm. there's no real other way to like get that access. Um, yes. It, and, it, it, short it, of owning a PlayStation 2 and a bunch of PlayStation 2 discs. 
that, that that's still like a PS2 that's still working too. Yeah, it's exactly. like hard to keep consoles like working that long. Um, but like, for instance, let's say you you paid like fifty dollars at retail when it first came out for that PS2 game, and you just want to like be able to like play it again. You have the disc on your shelf. They have made the technology on your console to play these games. They just arbitrarily have decided that you can't put the disc in the console because they want you to pay for it monthly. And it's not like you're paying $18 um, to play your game. You're paying $18 a month to play your game, to, to, to still have access to your content you've already paid for in the past um so it starts to feel really skeevy like when you start to like break all that down yeah it's uh it's it becomes very shady at that point because like old game access is like a is kind of like a semi-hot button thing in the sense that like a lot of people love really old games. There's a lot of really old games that are like artistically not really replicated and like styles that don't exist anymore. And having access to that is something very exciting and interesting. And like having access to a big library of it is cool, but also a lot of people, including like me, like spent a bunch of money or uh, in my case had like a weird dad who spent a bunch of money on like PlayStation games, like back in the early two thousands that are now, like you said, we're going to have to like double buy, double pay for um, and I mean, I can't think of like a super efficient way to avoid that in this kind of model, but it seems kind of clear that they've like designed well, it well, to I'll, kind of I'll force you I'll, into I'll, it. It's it's no, it's not. It's an artificial problem because guess what? Xbox lets you play old discs. They solve the problem. You right, well, don't they're, have they're, to they're, they're for your you stuff. In, they're forcing it, you into it by yeah, like Xbox solved this already. Yeah. I mean, and like solved it. They just like made their shit backwards compatible. That's it. Uh, yeah. And fucking and PlayStation won't do that. And now that they're using that as leverage to force you into this other thing that just really sucks because it's like like you could have both like you could have both options, right? Like there's probably a kid who's like 19 who's like into old PS2 shit wasn't around for PS2 times and is really stoked on having access to this stuff. And that's good. Yeah. But like at the same time, there's people like me who's like, what am I? What am I? 31 now? Like who want to spend money on or who spent money on old games and is now having to re-spend money to, in order to play them again. I thought you were like 45. No, I'm 31. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I think uh, I we'll, we'll have to have the the rabbi back on to confirm or deny that. Um, so yeah, have my dad back on and say, hey, how old am I? <laughs> and, he, and then he's like, hey, about 47. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you can go. Thank you. Um, so that is the game pass. I'm not super thrilled with it because the tier that would like give you what game pass is good for, which is playing new games for cheaper prices. They're not doing that. And then they're trying to juice you on old games. Yeah. I mean, it's frustrating because PlayStation is, I think sort of at this point, the console war sort of front runner. Um, but they're not they're they're not like they could leverage that into being more magnanimous with their shit. Right. And sort of be like, look, we're winning the console war anyway. Take the shit. It's free. Like, we'll just get more people to buy PS5s, making them love the PS2. Um, and instead, they're being like, look, everyone's buying fucking PlayStation. So we're just going to juice them for all the fucking money we can, which like yeah. makes sense on a sort of like evil business guy basis. But like, as far as like doing something cool, it's very frustrating, especially when compared to Microsoft, which is losing the console war, but still doing something much cooler in terms of that kind of thing. Yeah. It'll be up to see whether that like the short term investments matter more than like maybe long term, uh, like subscription plans. We'll have to see. Um, but Sony, I'm going to pass on that one, brother. Okay. I'm going to pay $70 at 9 p.m. Pacific every single time your games come out. Eat a dick. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see what I do. I think knowing the way I play games, it might be worth it for me to invest in that, but I'm not going to do it right now. That's for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um. So what you can bring something up or I have many other things to get to. Um. Let's talk about Elden Ring for a second. Just a quick Elden Ring check. Yeah, in. Uh, that's one of my things, too. Okay. okay. I know that you've been having I, I, yeah, well, you, I know you've been having some issues. 
I've been having fun, although I am stuck. I I'm having major issues with this game. Like it sucks because so much of this game is like wonder and beauty and excitement and creativity, but they've just totally paced and tuned this thing wrong. Um, the last quarter of the game is pretty like game breaking in terms of design choices. Well, so so because, where are you specifically? Cause I want to know where we're at and see if our shit lines up. Okay. So I've beaten the storm giant. Okay. I don't know what that is. I'm at the fire giant. That's, that's the guy I'm fighting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's a guy I just beat. I, I just beat that guy. And then I'm on the, into the next realm and then I'm into like the last four to five bosses. Okay. So the fire um, giant's where I'm currently stuck. And I think the reason I'm yeah. stuck is the stuff that you're mad about. So it's this thing where it's like the reason that I like Sekiro is because Sekiro is about perfectly tuned encounters that you need to like learn the rhythms of. And the only way to grow stronger is to defeat the bosses. There's no grinding. There's no time wasting stuff. It's just content. The problem with Dark Souls games has always been the grinding. There's always these little walls you hit where you just have to go back to some dumbass zone and like kill the same guys for like three hours. This is multiplied by 10 in Elden Ring because like you get on this flow with the game, you start to feel more powerful and then you reach the last quarter of the game and pretty much everything one hits you. Unless you are doing like a no hit run of the game, the majority of the bosses are going to strike you down with one hit. It's incredibly, incredibly undertuned in terms of damage. Um, and that's not me saying I'm bad. I've beaten every one of these games like multiple times. And it's just frustrating that. I'm essentially at the end of this game and I've hit this wall where the game is asking me to go grind again for another like 10 hours. And after a hundred hours, that's just a bad ask for this style of game and combat. It's not a persona five JRPG. Okay. Like, like this, like this style of action combat is not fun to grind out for 45 hours. Yeah. So here's where I'm at with that, which is, one of my favorite things about this game that we talked about a lot was the way that it presented like a really wide and versatile way of a set of ways to approach the game that you could do. Many and now different it's funneling builds. you into vigor. Exactly. Yeah, it's funneling exactly so. you into one choice. And that's like just terrible for the design. All my friends who built sort of beef guys who can tank and hang are having a pretty clean time with this section of the game where I'm stuck and you have been getting frustrated because neither of us did vigor builds. In fact, we did explicitly vigor light builds. It's literally the only build that you can like beat the game with. And it's like, it's just super frustrating because it's like, if you've designed any other kind of character, you wave goodbye to that character and say hello to like 20 to 30 hours of like gr grinding your points into other stuff or like doing a full like stat respec. But like, I haven't done that because like I wanted to play this game with the big sword from Berserk and I wanted to like do a big, strong build and like my my build and like my character's identity has been completely watered down and destroyed. Like I just like I'm not in, I'm not invested in it. And I just hit this wall where after I beat the giant, I walk into this other boss and it's just like I was like, I'm, I put it down. I was like, I, I'm sorry, I can't grind anymore. I'm sorry. Like the game was great, but I can't grind anymore. Now, here's the question. Have you found the grind farm near Moog? Oh, that's the one I've been doing. Like I, I do that for hours and I'm sick of it. It's not content and it's not fun. It's yeah, not I, fun to do that all day. I haven't gone there yet, but I was wondering if maybe you hadn't found it and that was the secret answer to our problems. No, no, I've been there. It is incredible. And I've spent a lot of the game there and I'm sick of it. And it's just like the answer, of course, is to ride around the world and do a fuck ton more optional dungeons. But you know what? Some of the platforming in this game is a little frustrating and the later dungeons have incredibly annoying platforming stuff. So it's like a lot of times I don't want to go in some of these mines where the platforming is annoying. And I just I just want to beat the game now. I, I've put in 80 to 100 hours. I don't need the game to one hit me this hard. Um, and it's uh, it's it's this is a critique that 
a lot of other people have had to. Um, it's not me being like, I need to get good at the game or something like that. Like, fuck off. Like, like I, I know basic mechanic stuff. And if every single hit can just wipe me out in one, it's like this is, no hit runs are for the pros. It's for like a 0.01% of people who play the game. That's not what you design your game for. Yeah. And especially because I've noted or I've heard, I haven't gotten this far yet, but I've heard that the later bosses do like, like attack sequences and flurries where like you basically aren't going to be unavoidable. Yeah. You aren't going to be able to dodge everything. So you simply have to be able to tank one or two hits like, or you're, or like, it's just not doable. And that means there is like a base level of vigor that you just have to be at. There's a, the very final boss in the game has a move that you cannot avoid getting hit unless you perfectly stagger them when they're doing the move. That is such a complex timing thing to pull off. It's downright insane. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's just like, it's just frustrating because it's like, listen, I've beaten Sekiro. That is like technically way harder and more thoughtful of a game than just chunking up your health like to the bar, like it just, it's just not interesting. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm inclined to agree, but, but you know, this God, it, it sounds like I like, I'm, I hate the game now. I don't, I love the game and, and I, but it, it, this, like this end to the experience, um, has put it like down to like third or fourth in terms of soul games. Like, I, I think for me now, the order is Sekiro, Bloodborne, Dark Souls 3, Elden Ring. Um, simply so because I, I mean, I all, all to, those other games build better. I have to get through this giant and then figure out what's what's on the horizon and sort of decide how I'm feeling about it. But I, mm-hmm. it still, despite my frustrations, hasn't turned me off the game. And it's still my favorite of these games because of just how much cool stuff is in it and like how thrilling and exciting it was for so long. Um, but obviously, there's a certain point where like, if the end just leaves a bad taste in your mouth, like that's a big, big problem. Yeah. And, and also like I got the very, I, I started to get this really samey feeling with the dungeons where a lot of them feel, start to feel like copy pasted. Um, whereas like in Sekiro, every zone is unique. Every zone has its places. Um, and yeah, I think I just, I think I just prefer those design choices to something that is so expansive and takes so much of your time. But like a lot of these hallways are looking the same, especially with some of the mining dungeons. Oh boy. Um, but uh, yeah, still a wonderful game. And once I did beat that giant and got to climb up to the top of the big cauldron behind him, I was still in awe of the game. There's like so much cool shit. Um, so yeah, it's still a very, very fun experience. But listen, it's starting to make me think there might be another game of the year that's not Elden Ring. It's out there now because because of this fumble. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I think you're right that that I think we, not just us, but I think the gaming community as a whole sort of looked at Elden Ring as like the inevitable G-O-T-Y. Like mm-hmm. that race is just sealed up in February. Mm-hmm. And I think that this sort of like lack of range with the end game uh, is going to end up I, it still very well might be a game of the year. It's still an extraordinary game, but yeah. it does open up the deal where like, un, like for a game to be as ambitious as it was and hit all the notes the way Elden Ring was kind of would have made it an unbeatable game of the year contender. But the fact that there are some like emergent flaws and gaps in the gameplay, uh, I think opens up the possibility that. Yeah. It, like I, th- it I think it'll be beat. hard still. It has so much hype around it and so much cultural hype that I, I do think it will be hard still to unseat it. But I do think it is now possible, um, at least for the, you know, people with the more acquired sensibilities. Uh, so also Breath of the Wild 2 got delayed uh, yep, till next 20, year, which I, which I, you know what? I'm OK with um, plenty of open world games this year. And I actually like feel like it'll help it to not be compared to Elden Ring as much. Um, yeah. So, yeah, like they should they should just take time with that one. Um, but, you know, I put down Elden Ring locks and I picked something else up, something old that I hadn't played in quite a while. I'm talking about Call of Duty Warzone. <laughs> um, oh, boy, we're back oh, at boy. it, baby. 
we're back guns blazing i forgot how incredible i am at this game it's like oh well this whole other side of me that i haven't experienced a whole long time you know the, the commander the the you know the spartan if you will um and yeah it's a it, the the game is in a much better state than it was six months ago when they released their new map and i've been having really positive experiences with strangers online. Um, and I wanted to highlight that for a second because it's, it, it, it is like such an evolution from when I was younger. Um, because I think that not only just like the maturity of gaming culture and how many different types of people are in it now, that it's not just like a very select group of outsiders or socially inept people, but I think also the types of games we're playing online together require more teamwork. And like that has like made everything so much more pure. I like made these two friends last night, just queuing into randoms and they were great. And then we ended up playing a bunch of games together. We friend requested each other. Like, like it was just incredibly chill and fun. And, um, yeah, I think like older call of duty lobbies when I was like 12, where everyone was like, just kind of one V one and fighting in just random lobbies and calling each other, you know, uh, well, all sorts of, uh, stuff that I'll repeat all now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just think it's like not as toxic as it used to be. And that's really cool. Yeah, that is good, especially because it's like a community that has a real history of being D bags. And I also want to say, you know, as a, uh, you know, obviously as a male online, it's easier. Like if you're a female voice and you put on a headset, it's a lot harder online because people are weird to girls online happens all the time. Um, but I do think there is still something to be said for like the way that our games require us to work together more now. Like if you're like in a war zone match, you have to be constantly in communication with your squad. You can't just be like zoning out. I mean, some people will, but you know, if you want to enjoy yeah. the game, stuff like that, stuff like Overwatch, I, I think there's like, there's like obviously going to be toxicity in everything, but I think that it's becoming more and more um, a loud minority rather than like the cultural majority. Yeah, I'm, I hope so. Cause I think that that's, I think that's a really good, good growth that like, because that, that like it used to be like social gaming meant playing games where you played with people, but everyone was yelling at each other and talking shit. Cause it was all very antagonistic, both in the design of the game and like the nature of the community. But now mm -hmm. social gaming, like you're saying the games are built around communication in like a convivial and like positive way. And like, that's a huge improvement for the game, like for the idea of building a community and building sort of relationships through these games, which mm -hmm. is what yeah. multiplayer games are like ostensibly trying to do. Right. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I had an incredible moment last night where I was talking to this guy and, and I was like, your username is uh C town. Is that like a low rent version of sea world? And he was like, what? <laughs> He didn't know what SeaWorld was. Whoa. <laughs> and, I, and I got to explain what SeaWorld was to a man named Seatown. Anyways, that magic can only happen online, folks. Yeah, that's and that's why we play the games is to teach people that's, at SeaWorld. That's why that's a, I'm just out doing informational outreach. People are like spam calling your phone to try to like reach you. Join their lobbies in call of duty if you really want to sell them some shit oh actually that's a terrible idea oh god like what if we start getting fucking robo calls in our games yeah that's it's inevitable actually yeah that's actually prob pro probably, that's probably on the docket but it also sucks oh no what if you're like dropping in and your call of duty phone starts ringing and they're like uh you have a chance to repay your student loans just give us your social security number <laughs> Yeah, you. Ugh, ugh, I hate this. I just, the very uh, idea of this is awful to me. Listeners, you give it to them. This is why you, you gotta play only single player games like me. So you're not on the internet, and the they can't find you. The, they'll, they'll find you. Single like the majority of single player games like have to be plugged into the Ethernet now. It's so funny. Yeah, but not all of them. Not all. Not all, indeed. And on that note, let's do an ad. 
Welcome back to the show. Lux, we love gaming, but you know who loves gaming more than us? Uh, who? More than us, sorry. <laughs> who could it be? Uh, his name is Mohammed bin Salman, one of the leaders of Saudi Arabia. Oh yeah, that's true. He's uh, he's an enthusiastic player of games. M- MBS isn't an, an, just an enthusiastic player. He's an enthusiastic game creator and producer. Um, you know, he just bought like 96% stake in SNK. It's this big Japanese video oh, game yeah, company. We, we know SNK, King of Fighters and whatnot. Samurai mm-hmm. Showdown. He's bought 96.7% uh, of their company. Um, and that's to, you know, add to his already very growing portfolio of major stock in uh, companies like Activision Blizzard, um, Microsoft. I mean, he's got his hands in all the little honeypots, doesn't he? Yeah. I mean, look, when you got that kind of money and you care about something, you, you know, you can really spread your little tentacles. Now, it's like a lot of people, though, you know, in the gaming community have like, you know, had troubles in their dealings with him, maybe not in their dealings with him, but on um, how public people may have thought or reacted to partnerships uh, with a guy that like chops up reporters, um, throws people yeah. off of buildings, but not in a uh, cool way. Facilitates uh, the the sort of constant violence in Yemen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it does, no, 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 no salmon fishing in the Yemen. Is that what it was called? Was it salmon there? Uh, no, no. Trout fishing, I believe, is what you're thinking of. No, it wasn't trout fishing. It was salmon fishing in the Yemen. Anyways, uh, MBS, he's doing a fi- he's he's adding fishing mechanics to his games. Uh, f- salmon fishing in the Yemen in the Yem Yem. Yep, salmon fishing. Nice work. Oily budget fourteen point four million. Box office thirty four point six million. Now, if it had been a trout, it would have done. It would have made peanuts. Okay, whitefish yeah. not as popular. I was thinking of a trout. The trout fishing in America, the classic novel. Oh, okay, fair. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's interesting that like. A lot of our video games um, will will start to be owned by like just people in in other countries as like our markets get more and more international. Um, yeah, I mean, as capitalism widens out, the sort of peak oligarchs are just going to like have their fingers in every viable pie. And what I've been noticing so much about all that, especially in like cities in America, is like I walk through like rich neighborhoods in like San Francisco or like L.A. and New York, and like so much of it is like fucking empty. Like so many of the houses are empty. Like people don't even like live in the nice places anymore. They're just like owned by people somewhere else in the world. Yeah. I mean, the real estate market is a nightmare because of, for that exact reason that like a lot of people just own a lot of houses and have no intention of ever like living in or using them. Yeah. It's um a huge problem. It's, it's a, it's a problem. It's just, if anything, it's just, yeah, there's just zero swag in the cities these days, folks. It's all empty. Yeah, that um, is, it's, it, there's the problem of like housing access, but more significantly is the problem of a lack of swag. Yeah, totally. And like in LA specifically, because none of these fucking people, rich people live with their houses anymore. Like the amount of like fucking indoor robberies is like off the charts. Cause it's all just, all just sitting there. Yeah, it's, I mean, you know, you just walk in, you walk out. You walk in, and then, folks, step two, way more important, remember to walk out. Don't just stay. That's when you get caught. Yeah, you got to leave. If you're going to steal something, you got to take it. You got to get out of that building and take it with you. Um, Fuck. Do we need to talk about Attack on Titan? I was going to say, do you want to do a whole just season recap next week and just do a full AOT episode for our next week's episode? Yeah. I think that'd be fair because the season's wrapping up, but not the series because they're just going to stretch this out until we're fucking dead. (laughs) Is it, can we do, are we going to do our, are we going to do our pro fascist debate? 
uh, or what? Like, are we going to do that next week? Uh, I'll talk to we'll talk to Alex and Steven because I think they want to do that on their show. But we'll talk. I'll talk. I'll message them because I'm in their Discord. We could also. I mean, if we could be super lazy and just do like a double release collab. <laughs> yeah, we could talk to. I could talk to them. Um, I'll message. You can also. It could also be like a part one on theirs, part two on ours, or vice versa. Well, um, yeah, like if it, if it goes for like an hour, hour and a half or something, uh, you know, and I'd like to get a I'd like to get a moderator. Uh, I'd like to do it in like the most toxic way possible. Um, and I'd like to make some really bad faith personal attacks. Okay. Well, we can uh, put that on a list okay. and sort of pitch that to them and say, hey, this is what we're looking for. <laughs> here's the bullet points. Here's yeah. what we're thinking about. Yeah, here's what we we're want. Thinking about, we're thinking about burning. Well, at least one of us gets a burn, a bridge burned. We're yeah. open to we're open to that being anyone, really. But, yeah. but someone's got to uh, become sort of uh, canceled. A quota. A quota, if you will, and uh, a new arc. Uh, okay, that's going to be exciting. Well, then, what else should we talk about? Um, right. Well, I've started playing uh, Norco, the 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 point and click game that came out kind of recently, the like spooky mystery adventure game. Okay, and um, are you getting are you getting scared? Uh, it's not scary yet. It's like ambiently spooky. Like stuff it's is like. Sp- Borco. It's called Norco. <laughs> you said spooky in Norco. So I said Sporco. Right. It's a it it's a, a story about a living spoon and fork and their Nor- horrid Nor- child. Norcos. It's a it's a game where you play Pablo Escobar on the Netflix hit Norco. Yeah, Norcos by Netflix. Uh Norco's fun. It's spooky. It's a class. It's like a little point and click guy. Uh, it's got some oh. real mysteries. I haven't gotten too too deep into it, but it's again another uh, another one of these games that's like a really fun little indie that isn't getting like a shitload of attention, but that sort of should kind of it's it's again like this is like I keep talking about this, but this is like one of the interesting things about gaming right now is that like you don't is that like indie teams that need less like overhead resources to create their stuff. than they did like 10 years ago or whatever. Um, but there's also this big normalization of what games make it into the mainstream. So right now we have this weird thing where like there are fewer huge game releases and they are, but they are huger than ever, but there's also a greater proliferation of indie titles that are a lot more varied and, and, and creative than there have it in the past. And so it's becoming increasingly polar between like indie and main and triple a gaming, uh, generally. And Norco is another really good, like under the radar indie that like five or six years ago, people have been talking about in the way they talked about like bastion or something, but now it's sort of just in the mishmash of generally indie games, you know? Yeah. It's almost like, like the sweet spot to be like different in an indie game was like a little bit ago. And now there's so much competition. Um, like anything, like anything online right now, it feels like most internet platforms have had their first and second generations of like success. And now it's like way harder to grow. It's a very interesting place in the internet we are at right now. Um, I'm looking at an image from this game. It looks like the freaking eyes from the great Gatsby are in the sky. Yeah. It's got some real freaky imagery and some real cool looks. It's got a real artistic sense to it. I, I like it. I like the vibe. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's cool. You're, it's like sort of like uh, modern Southern Gothic stuff. It's kind of like Kentucky Route Zero. It's got yeah, Kentucky Route Zero is like a decent comp in in some ways. Um, in that sort of like uh left behindness of like sort of certain parts of the South and stuff, and like turning that into like a horror narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got some. It shares that DNA, which I think is really fun, or like not like fun as a concept, but like very effective as a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So is Elon Musk going to fix Twitter? Mm, yes. Yeah, that's right. Uh, he's the first thing he's going to do is ban the the image of a pig pooping on its own balls. Thank you, sir. Thank you for making the the internet a cool place to post. Yeah. Uh, man. The that's like one of the things about like the increasing like 
tech oligarchy it, consolidation you, is that they're just like not this cool. guy's dick um like anyone writing this guy's dick like is, how lame are you how do you not pull out of that for even as like i understand having a hero or being inspired by someone but like dick writing someone so hard like that and like you are one of millions of people just shoulder to shoulder you see the guy to your left the guy to your right you're all dick riding this guy it's like so bizarre i don't know i thought people had more more self i thought people thought they were they were the main character more but people are so ready to act like the side character to this weirdo yeah i mean people really uh, people really like have attached themselves to this guy as like being the manifestation of like the transition to like nerds run the world. Yeah, he is the hawk of light. <laughs> yeah, like it's very weird because like this nerds run the world stuff has been like has been part of the discourse for like a minute. And Elon Musk is very much like the totemic representation of that to these people, even though he like sucks ass and is just like a rich guy and dumb. Yeah. I mean, he's just a, he's like he I guess he's like what every lame person imagines their most epic self to be like. I don't know. It's it's just weird because it's like I just you, you, everyone has their fans. Everyone has their stands. But there there is something. Um, very alienating when you see Elon Musk go like, LOL, I just bought Twitter or whatever. And people are like, yes, yes, thank you, sir. Like it's, it's fucking, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. I mean, I think that like, the thing is people don't like rules that apply to them or social codes that like, negatively affect them but they don't actually they they say they don't like rules or social codes generally but they're not telling the truth they just don't like ones that affect them adversely and so there's a huge contingent of people who suck and have like you know uh shitty takes or have been punished by twitter or just like not appreciated by the algorithm because people think they're stupid and boring who view elon musk being on the board as like their inroad to sort of power in the context of twitter slash social media um, and creating a formula, formulation, formalization of rules that benefit them. And uh, it sucks and it's extremely dumb and boring and I hate them for it. I, I, I also think that like it, there's this inspiring element too. That's not it's not just about like it's not like the amount of devotion he has. It's not all grievance based. It's like based on like I think the fact that like if you live in this country today, you pretty much know that like things were better in the past and things are getting gradually worse. Um, and there's not much you can do to change really any aspect of society or, or, or your life. Elon Musk is the exception to that and an inspirational one where he's, like, not, an he, he's, he's not an exception. To uh, that. But but hold on. But that's the narrative, though, is that he can that he's like a man who has the ability and power to change things and warp things to his will. And like no one in America has that power. And just like the fact that like people view him as someone who exists outside like the the you know ordained shitty fate we all have to like forge something else is exciting and exhilarating to people and inspiring right except that under like the barest of scrutiny that entire narrative is of is course of course it's a fundamentally flawed it's a fundamentally flawed thing if you if you pick it apart of course, but I but that I'm speaking to is why I think people are get get so fucking hot, wet and twisted for this shit. It's not just because of their specific grievance. It's it's not just because of Twitter. It's this like larger than life sense that there is someone out there that like no one can like fuck with or whatever. And then the people all kind of wish that they're like, you know what? That's what I would do, too. Right. I mean, there is a certain amount of like a desire to displace structural or historical tendencies onto like individuals and the lack of individuals like overcoming or redirecting those tendencies. And people definitely view Musk as someone who's, who's combating those tendencies when in reality, he's obviously worsening them. Um, of course. And, and like rather than engage with sort of the, hist the historical or meaningful, like, you know, social arrangements or whatever. They, they create these problems people are worried about. They would rather just be like, look, there's a guy who can fix it. We have a daddy. Because like America, Americans like 
I mean, this is sort of what I was getting out the rules thing is like Americans love to complain about their lack of freedom, but actually all of them are like obsessed with having like a daddy figure to like spank them on their butts and tell them what to do. Um, and like Elon Musk functions as that to like a new contingent of people. Uh, and they can be like, look, he's not daddy because he's big and tough. He's daddy because he's smart, even though he's a giant fucking moron. Oh, well, um, he's daddy. Well, he's daddy because he's like, well, he's new daddy because our daddy sucks. Like he's like, like, like he's he's out daddying our bad daddy, which is, I guess, the United States. <laughs> right. When in fact, um, he's just the exact same thing or maybe worse. Mm hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, I think that all that's really good stuff. Yeah. The world's go. <laughs> things are going great. <laughs> things are going great and we're super stoked on it. <laughs> I think it's all pretty cool. Um, <laughs> sure. I feel like though, at the end of the day, now that we've just analyzed that we just have to find some sort of like some sort of other, we have to just out daddy him. Right. Yeah. That's, that's always the thing. Right. Cause it's like, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to rip people away from their daddies. You have to, uh, you have to give them a new daddy. Yeah. The hard thing about daddying him though, is that he was born with an emerald mine. <laughs> yes. Um, he is sort of a son to like Dr. Robotnik or whatever. Right. Yeah. His parents were Dr. Robotnik, <laughs> but with slaves. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it was still chaos emeralds and knuckles yeah. was there and is complicit. Yeah. Oh, knuckles is deeply complicit. Now, notably <laughs> not the knuckles from the movie, but knuckles, the real the, one, the white knuckles. Yeah. <laughs> when people say white knuckling, that's what they mean. That's exactly what they mean. Uh, we should, we should do an episode on a Sonic. Well, you know, force and I are going to go see it because it was the last movie force. And I saw before the pandemic. So we got to sort of, Close the loop before the yeah before the next one starts yeah um, yeah is that it's, I think it's out now right comes out Thursday so tomorrow Com- comes out Thursday okay we might yeah. we, we might have to push AOT do a little sunny or maybe we do a maybe we do a double like a double review a double double yeah and we go we, we, and you know what we find one of these things was incredibly fascist and it's Sonic. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I was going to let the audience fill in the blank. Uh, Folks, I have a few other things on my list and I want to tantalize you with that. That's all from me. All right. Well, check back in next week to hear about Sonic here on AOT and hear about the rest of Griffin's list. List. That's the list gun. Yeah, he just cocked the list gun and shot it at the screen. (laughs) Um, So good for him. and check out where you can find me, Griffin, and Haley in the in the episode description. If you want to see more of our stuff, but we will talk to you guys next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.